Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. I'm very excited about that series upcoming. I'd ask you to pray for me and pray that the Lord would just speak to us through that as we kind of journey through uh, the book of Exodus together starting first part of September. You know, we have um, prayed for a lot of mission opportunities this morning. Last week, like I said, we're going to continue to do that over the next few weeks. But there's another uh, opportunity we want to pray about this morning specifically and another thing I think or uh, another area that's been heavy on our hearts for the last week especially, and that's the country of Afghanistan. Uh, many of you have seen unfold over the last several days the atrocities, uh, all the problems and, and um, uh, just terrible circumstances those people are living under, the, the Christian leaders, the pastors we've all kind of seen and heard and, and are very aware of, of probably what's going to happen to them in the next few days and next few weeks. But I want you to understand uh, things aren't simply left to chance. Right? Nothing ever happens randomly. And I believe uh, with all my heart that something else is at play in that country. I, I can promise you uh, a few short months ago, the gospel of Jesus Christ was being proclaimed there. I can promise you that. And I can, I can also promise you that for the first time, uh, there were people that were becoming more and more open to the truth of Jesus. Don't think these events are unrelated. Don't think they're random. Understand very clearly that when the gospel is on the move, when people are coming to know Jesus Christ, when the name of Jesus is being proclaimed, the enemy will mobilize. Don't ever for a minute think that's not what's happening. And so as we all kind of have our opinions, as I know we all do, as we all probably have our opinions about what should have been done or what can be done or how we might can fix this, I want you to understand something very clearly. The only way this is ever truly going to be fixed is through Christ. There's no political answer for this. There's no military answer for this. All those things are part of the equations that we think about as humans. But in the end, only Jesus can redeem this situation. And so we're going to spend a few minutes just praying right now for those people in Afghanistan, for those believers, for those church members. Uh, I would ask you also in your personal prayer time to pray for the terrorists, that God would break their hearts. You know, I think sometimes we're, we're a very leery to pray because God really couldn't save those people. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. And imagine the revival that would sweep across that country if the leadership of the Taliban or Al-Qaeda or some of the other uh, terrorist organizations in that region. Imagine if some of the leaders of those groups came to know Jesus. Imagine how that would change the landscape politically, economically, spiritually of that place. And so we're going to take just a few minutes praying. If you're at home watching, I'm going to ask you to pray as well right from your living room. But let's just take a couple of minutes in prayer, praying specifically for the people of Afghanistan.
And Father, we come to you now praying specifically for the people of Afghanistan, for the Christians, the church leaders, Father, the, the, the millions of innocent people over there that are enduring very difficult, very difficult circumstances. We pray for strength for the church, boldness. Father, we pray you would protect those that need to be protected. We pray, Father, that these people that are in hiding or living in great fear right now under great persecution would sense your presence in a very real and powerful way. Father, help them to be reminded that there are believers all over the world praying for them, lifting them up, Father, on a regular basis. Help us to be mindful, Lord, in our prayer time to pray for these people, to lift them up, to call out to you, Father. We pray for strength. We pray for peace and comfort. We pray for salvation, Father, among those that are lost, especially the leaders of these terrorist organizations. Father, break their hearts for Jesus. In that great darkness where it seems impossible in our minds, impossible in our minds, we know that nothing is impossible with you. And so, Father, I pray that the gospel on some level, some way could be proclaimed to those people, that their hearts would be changed, that their lives would be changed. Father, do great work in that country. We'll praise your name for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles, open to Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to preach for just a few minutes this morning because I wanted to bring us into the Word of God and I wanted to remind you of the glory of Christ. You know, the the Holy Spirit always is at work here. Uh, We're always amazed at how the Lord does things, uh, usually without us knowing. I'd like to say to you, that uh, what I'm preaching on was planned months in advance. It, it was, and I really prayed a lot about this last week and talked to our team, and we kind of ended up in this place. And I found out this morning that our Sunday school lesson in the Gospel Project is also Revelation chapter 5. That was not planned. I'd like to say that we have this great scheme planned out in whiteboards, and we planned all this out months in advance, but I have to admit to you, this is the Holy Spirit. And so if you went to Sunday school this morning and studied Revelation chapter 5, you're going to hear it again this morning, I guess, because the Lord wanted you to hear it twice. That's his plan, not mine, but I'm glad he did it because it's a fantastic passage of Scripture. It reminds us of the glory of the Lord, and I think sometimes in the midst of great tragedy, and sadness, and confusion, and fear, we need to be reminded of the strength of the Lord. We need to be reminded that he is in control, and he does have a plan. Now, the book of Revelation is written by the apostle John. He had been exiled to the island of Patmos, and God gave him this series of incredible visions outlined in the book of Revelation. If you really want to do a deep dive into Revelation, we've got a deep roots class that Russell Cleveland is teaching on Wednesday nights about the book of Revelation. They're going chapter by chapter, fantastic study about all the Lord has done. We're going to kind of take just a quick look this morning into the throne room. God has given John this vision of what's to come and this picture of the throne room. I want you to see it and understand what's happening here. So Revelation chapter 5, Beginning in verse 1, the words of John. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I, this is John, began to weep loudly. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lamb, the li- excuse me, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven 
seals, verse 6, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let's stop there. We're going to work through verse 9 and following in just a minute. But I want you to see some truth in here. In the midst of tragedy sometimes, in the midst of confusion in our world, in the midst of kind of looking around us and thinking things are spinning out of control, we need to remember truth number one very simply. Jesus has conquered. Jesus has conquered. We, we hear these elders talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah there in verse 5 and, and the root of David and, and he has conquered. And if you haven't really studied scripture and haven't kind of understand, stood especially Old Testament history and the prophecies, you wouldn't really understand who John is talking about. But we need to be reminded all the way back in Genesis chapter 49, right? These are bookends of the scripture, Genesis and Revelation. Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is blessing his son Judah, who had become one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Here's what the Bible says in verse 10 of Genesis 49, speaking to Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, listen, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Right In Genesis 49, this is a prophecy looking ahead to Jesus. So we've already kind of learned in Genesis that Jesus, in the, in the chapters that follow, in the books that follow, Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah. He's going to be called the Lamb of the tribe, or the Lion of the tribe. David also is going to come from the tribe of Judah, as we think about David's root there in Revelation chapter 5. And so when John looks and sees this Lamb that has been slain, he's looking to Jesus. You understand that, right? And, and the way that he describes in verse 5 is fascinating. Pull up verse 5 if you would. I want you to see this as he's looking into the throne room. And he says in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, weep no more, right? Because John is so sad that no one can open the scroll. Weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, right? That's Genesis. That's the genealogy speaking about Jesus. What has he done? He has conquered. You see that? You need to remember in the midst of whatever you're dealing with in your personal life, whatever our country deals with, whatever our world de deals with, Jesus has conquered. And that should bring us great comfort. We, we don't serve a weak Savior. We serve a conquering Savior who lived a perfect life, shed his blood, defeated and conquered sin and death. Now because of that, they call him something else. Look at verse 9. So they sang a new song, saying, here it is, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard, listen, around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. How many? Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of of thousands, or we're talking millions here, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Here's the second thing. Jesus has conquered because of what he's conquered. Number two, Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of our worship. In fact, we see it there in verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. We see it there in verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus gave, because of what Jesus accomplished, he is worthy of our worship. Now Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, explains it like this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed, listen, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So we think about Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain. The Bible teaches us that he created everything and everything falls under his control. That means he's the owner of all things. Now listen, if that's the case, that means that Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. Now watch what that means for us personally. That means that Jesus is worthy of our worship, not our money or possessions. Jesus is worthy of our worship, not our abilities. Jesus is worthy of our worship, not our careers. Right, but here's the problem. We take great pride in our abilities, don't we? We take pride in our work ethic, our education, our intelligence. We need to be reminded that Jesus gave us all of those things. So when you think about how hard you've worked in your job or how much you've studied in school or how much money you've made because you've been successful in this business or that business or whatever it may look like, you need to be reminded that you have the ability to do those things. Christ has blessed you and because of him you have the things that you have. He and he alone is worthy of our worship. Sometimes we get that backwards, don't we? We're quick to praise ourselves We're quick to bring glory to ourselves. Listen to what I've done. Listen to what I've accomplished. Isaiah 6.3, speaking of the Lord, says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Jesus has conquered. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Now look again at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne And the living creatures and the elders, the voice of any angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Here's the third truth this morning. Jesus was slain and then resurrected. All right, he conquered. He's worthy of our worship. He was slain, the words of Revelation, and then resurrected. Here's something that will kind of blow your mind when you think about Jesus and you think about timelines and when this happened. And we think about Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection being, you know, 2,000 years ago roughly, and that's true. But the scripture actually teaches us in Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus was slain, the Bible says, from the creation of the world. In other words, what we understand that that God had a plan really from the beginning of eternity that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. And so what that means is that the death and the resurrection of Christ wasn't an accident. 
It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't something that was out of his control. In fact, Isaiah 53, which kind of points ahead in the Old Testament to Jesus and to his sacrifice, says this. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. It was the will of the Lord that Jesus suffer and die on the cross. It was the will of the Lord that he be killed. It was the will of the Lord that he die for our sins and then be resurrected. So as we think about Jesus conquering and Jesus being worthy, we understand those things happened because he was slain, he was killed on the cross, and then raised again three days later. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall he live And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Now, we've kind of planned something that that I think is going to be very, very powerful for us this morning during our time of invitation. As we kind of prayed and thought about this week and then the need to continue our, our focus on missions and add to that a, an emphasis of Afghanistan, we started thinking and praying about what to preach. And of course, Revelation 5 is what the Lord led us to, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago. But there's a song that's been written a few years back, and it comes right from Revelation chapter 5. And so a lot of the phrases you read in Revelation chapter 5 are found in this song. It's called, Is He Worthy? And the way the song is written is there are these questions that are posed. Is he worthy of our honor? And we repeat back, he is. And so there's this, there's opportunity as we're singing in just a moment here to understand the glory of Christ, to understand that he is worthy, to understand that he's conquered, to understand he's been slain and resurrected again. And then we sing these things back in worship, understanding exactly who Christ is. And so our worship team is going to come out. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, but I want to encourage you during this time of invitation. Right? It's not a time for you to kind of think about what you're going to eat or what you're going to do this afternoon. We've got a few more minutes we want to kind of squeeze out here and, and use it to our full advantage, worshiping the Lord. I want you to envision, as best you can in your mind, the throne of the Lord and the elders and the priests worshiping, the thousands of thousands of angels singing And as we sing this song, we're going to sing it in a spirit of worship, praising Christ for who he is. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for all the work you're doing through the hearts of our people and missions here and around the world. We pray you would continue to do great work. And Father, we pray right now as we move into a time of invitation that you would just open the eyes, open the hearts of our people. As we sing this song to you, Father, may it be a fragrant offering, as the scripture says. Father, we love you, we serve you, we trust you. Use us for the sake of your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.